Hello, welcome to this podcast from the BCCJ as part of our Default to Action webinar series. We know there is a lot to process right now and hope that by providing you with insights, best practices, government advice, well-being tips, that this medium will provide a reliable source to help steer you through some of the business and personal challenges ahead. We aim to provide an element of live interactivity to these broadcasts and recommend checking out the BCCJ website for upcoming streams. That's www.bccjapan.com. And finally, if there is a topic you would like us to cover, or a speaker you would like to hear from, let us know at info at bccjapan.com. Thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is David Bickle, and I'm the president of the British Chamber of Commerce in Japan. And uh, welcome today to our webinar, uh, which is titled is COVID redefining responsible business? Um, before we get into that, I'd just like to remind you that what we're trying to do in a webinar series is to make these all as interactive as possible. So at the bottom of your screen, you should see a Q&A box. Uh, please input any questions you have at any time, uh, and we'll try and answer those and bring you into the conversation by answering those questions. And if I can ask you to use the Q&A box rather than the chat function, that would be very helpful. Um, so this is actually the fifth in a week-long series we've had in uh, of webinars here at the BCCJ. We started last Thursday with a webinar on employment law with Chiba Law Office and uh, O'Connell uh, Law as well, Catherine O'Connell Law. Um, on the Friday, we had a women and mentoring event. Uh, we were really pleased to do that because it was a cross-chamber, a cross-Britcham um, chamber event with our colleagues in uh, China, Singapore, and Taiwan, and that was featuring Kirsten O'Connor of Quest Tokyo. Um, then on Monday, we had uh, a COVID-focused uh, webinar, really looking at the impact of COVID on the economy and financial markets, and we were delighted to have our speakers then uh, from Barclays Japan and also Standard Chartered Japan, the CEOs of those two entities. And then yesterday, Hopefully many of you were able to join. We had a, an address and a Q&A session with uh, British Ambassador to Japan, Paul Madden and his team at the embassy. So um, today though, a responsible business. So why, why responsible business now? Um, well, I think in the world before COVID, when we used to have, uh, uh, we used to have uh, face-to-face meetings and I hope we'll be back in that uh, mode very, very soon. But when we had those meetings, a number of you uh, who are listening today may have heard me talk about the, the purpose and the goals of the BCCJ. Now, in terms of uh, purpose, uh, it's very much that our members make great connections with people who matter to them in business. Uh, and our goal, though, is to uh, build or create trust and opportunities in bilateral UK-Japan business. But we do that by focusing on three uh, sub-goals. Um, these are the proliferation of uh, diversity and inclusiveness, uh, the proliferation of uh, digital and technology industries, um, and also responsible business. And we feel these are three themes that um, you know, British companies and Japanese companies certainly have a voice and through uh, you know, exchanging information on those, talking about those, we feel that we can create the trust uh, and opportunities will also follow. So it was really off of that that today we were planning to do uh, the first in the three-part series uh, of events. Uh, they were originally going to be live events, then to online. 
but focusing on decarbonization um, and the impact of decarbonization on uh, the planet uh, and on people and uh, on business. Now, uh, over the last couple of weeks, though, um, you know, COVID has been really sucking the air out of the, uh, the dialogue and discussions. Uh, I think it's forcing all of us to, um, you know, reset priorities, being asked to do things in a different way and, you know, leaving a number of us, you know, somewhat disorientated. So we thought we would leave the discussion of uh, decarbonization and responsible business to another time when we can devote appropriate attention to it. But today to focus on the impact that COVID, everything that is happening now, is the impact that that's having on the responsible business agenda. So really against that backdrop, I think today we want to explore some of the trends we see um, in the pandemic and how we think that will shape a socially responsible future. Uh, and also think about some of the decisions and actions that uh, companies, businesses may need to take that will um, you know, improve their resilience uh, in a rapidly changing environment. So to do that today, I'm delighted to be joined by two of the members of the BCCJ's Executive Committee who are also on our Responsible Business Task Force. We've got Tova Kinooka from Global Perspectives and Heather McLeish of EY. So um, Tova, Heather, I'd like to bring you into the, the conversation now. Maybe um, we can, Tova, if you could just introduce yourself. And I think actually after that, maybe you can help us set the framework Responsible business is a is a very broad topic, and you know it is of course more than just climate change and decarbonisation. So maybe you can just set the framework for us around uh, you know what the barriers are and what we'll discuss today. Okay, thank you, David. Um, so welcome everybody. My name is Tova Kinooka, and I'm the co-founder and director of Global Perspectives. So we are a sustainability consultancy. Um, we work with organizations from startups and SMEs through to um, multinational organizations in Japan and around the world to help them really embed sustainability thinking and leadership into the organizational culture. Um, and with that background, to, to set the scene, as David has said, for responsible business, we see it very much as being um, about how a company thinks and acts with regard to all its stakeholders. So considering not only the, the shareholders and the profit um, and the impact of what they do on that, but also considering the broader impact of everything they do as an organization on people inside the organization, outside through their supply chains, client base, um, through to the communities that they are in and interact with, and of course the environment as well. And it's interesting, the, um, the event that we were going to do that David was just talking about, the Responsible Business Forum, we were originally planning to do, uh, well, we're still planning to do, hopefully at some point, um, two sides to that, both people and planet, because um, both parts are equally important. I think it's very um, it's paramount that we remember we're part of an ecosystem that no, as individuals, as organizations, as industries, we are all part of an organ, uh, an ecosystem. And as such, we are interconnected, 
and have an impact on every part of that. So our definition of responsible business is really to be conscious of that and to consider your impact in every decision that you make. Thanks for that, Tova. That sets the scene really well, I think. Um, Heather, if we could bring you in as well now, if I could ask you to uh, introduce yourself. And I know amongst your, your many roles, uh, you know, sustainability and responsible business is a key one. Um, and after that as well, maybe you know, set the scene for us a little bit. I mean, are we looking at this whole issue of responsible business through a static lens or are things moving over time? That's great. Thank you. Um, thank you, everybody, for taking your time today, hopefully eating your, your lunch and enjoying uh, this 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Um, my name is Heather McLeish. I'm a director with um, EY here in Japan. Originally, I started in EY to help build the sustainability advisory service that focused on environmental, social, and governance issues for large Japanese corporates. So I still do a lot of that work within our advisory team focus more specifically on financial services clients, in particular insurance clients and their specific needs around environmental, social, and, and governance issues. So it's, um, it's such a fascinating time, um, crazy, uncertain, but it's a really interesting time right now for us to consider the principles by which we have said that we live um, and for companies, your value proposition has never been tested more seriously than right now and during this crisis. So in order to frame the conversation today, because it is such as, as David and rightly pointed out and, and Tova showed us, this is a huge topic. So what we're going to do is talk about it from the now, what's happening right now in, in this moment, what are we all focused on right now, the next, what, that, what does that next phase look like, and then the beyond. Um, certainly, it's, it's really hard for us to focus on all of those things at one time, but there is a, a right stage and time for that. So with that context, we actually have a poll for you. We've got several of them throughout, so we'd like to check your participation, make sure nobody's sleeping, I suppose. Um, but the first poll, we're going to start now. We're going to launch that. Um, and it is, what are your biggest challenges or concerns in the now? So not thinking... Um, in the next few months, six months, nine months, 12 months, um, but really what are you focused on right now? Um, so if we're gonna keep that open for maybe about 30 seconds or so, and then um, we see some answers coming in now. Thank you. And David, I can, I can pass over to you as we um, get some more answers in here. Thanks, Heather. That, that would be great. And just while those answers are coming in, um, I mean, we actually started our webinar series, um, well, only less than a month ago. And our very first webinar was, was prompted by COVID, the situation we're in now. Uh, and we looked then at the, the leadership response to COVID. So things were very new then. And I think we're still in the now, as you described it. But, you know, a few weeks further on, um, are you noticing any changes there? Or I think we're going to get a bit of some input from the, uh, the survey soon. But what issues are you seeing in terms of the response that are, 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 you know, are still top of mind on the radar for companies here in the now? Yeah, I mean, let's look at just the BCCJ. Um, we just had our first webinar not that long ago, and now we do this daily. <laughs> We've really tried to race to the challenge of being um, very communicative to our membership. 
So what's changed? Um, at that time, again, not that long ago, but uh, we were really not sure and still aren't how long this is going to go on. So I think the immediate concerns and conversation have been, how serious do we have to take this? How serious are we going to be dealing with this in Japan? At that time, we were not under a national state of emergency. So it was much more um, focused on what the companies themselves are going to do. Um, a lot of them had made that decision to telework if, if that infrastructure was available to them. And others have really had to wait until um, a national emergency has pushed them. And even then, uh, there's many, many companies here who are not really set up. So the now has been really focused on testing your business continuity plans. Companies that have had strong business continuity plans got to test them immediately. Companies with weak ones have been scrambling. Now, I, I think from the conversations that I've had, I think all of us have identified issues within our business continuity plans. Um, I don't know if any of us were really factoring in something like this, even after having experienced SARS. So the conversations that we're having now with our clients um, internally um, and certainly with friends and business owners in the community has been really focused on how do we manage liquidity now? How do we manage to keep our businesses up and running? Um, and can we? Is it physically possible for us to continue work even in a different form? So some of them have pivoted really quickly. Um, my neighborhood, Sushiya-san, is now doing bentos. Uh, for takeout was something he never would have done before. Um, and he just realized there is not only an opportunity in the market, but there is a moment of, you know, I'm sure for everyone, a, a bit of panic. What happens if this continues longer and my revenue streams are not there? So I think that now is it, that conversation has, has become a little less panicked because I think we're, we're well into the now, we're well into the planning. But again, depending on where you were on that spectrum for the strength of your BCP plan, it's it's been a different response for everybody. Yeah, and I think those are common themes with most organizations and their BCP plans. Uh, in the now phase immediately, it's been very much about looking after your people. So the talent aspect and making sure the safety and security of your people. But of course, very quickly leaders Leaders need to manage in the now, but need to keep an eye on the horizon where the business is going. So certainly financial considerations, uh, liquidity, supply chain, customers, really business, the actual continuity of business still actually being able to operate and running a business, bringing revenues in. Um, very important. Um, well, we can see some of the results and hopefully everyone can see those on the screen. Um, Keeping, uh, keeping business going um, is hugely important. Um, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, it, it's a question perhaps of, of, of muddling through. Um, BCP plans by their very nature, I think are, uh, they're organic. Uh, people are, you know, changing them, uh, adding to them, uh, tweaking them as we go along. So um, also interesting to see managing remote relationships. I think that comes back to the talent agenda. Uh, and the whole talent agenda also uh, ties into, I think, another interesting aspect, which is, uh, you know, the, the digital. I think companies around business models are thinking digital, but not only business models, also looking after their people, enabling them to work you know, safely from home and productively. That's caused companies to think a lot about technology as well. 
So, okay, very interesting. Thank you very much for that. Um, at, at that point, though, I mean, Cova, I, I'd like to ask you a question. Look, mm -hmm. yeah, traffic, if we go outside, traffic congestion is way down. Uh, I read a statistic in the paper the other day that global oil consumption is down a third. This week, the oil price actually went negative. Producers are paying, uh, you know, other organizations to take the oil off their hand and store it somewhere. Um, it, with all that going on, I mean, shouldn't business, you know, just put all this responsible business, this climate agenda to one side and instead sort of focus on the here and now, like we saw in the survey, pretty focusing on just doing business and surviving. Um, I, I can understand why some people would uh, to perhaps think that way. Um, I think, you know, as you said, we're, we're dealing with a very stressful situation. It's interesting that on the poll there we had, um, you know, managing remote relationships and mental health, both as points there that, you know, a number of people um, felt were big challenges. So it, it's natural, I think, to, if you like, go into survival mode and um, just think about how we're getting through this. Um, but I think it's also giving a lot of people pause to to think about actually um you know things can be different here um if i'm not commuting um into you know t central tokyo my commute for example is an hour and a half um so if there and back that's that's a three hour round trip so yes you've got the environmental impact of that but there's also the um the health and well-being impact of that as well which is very much part and parcel of responsible business and i think it's really making people and organizations stop and think about okay yes this is a very stressful and uncertain situation but we're realizing that we can be productive in a remote situation by taking back or being able to to take back that um that time that we would otherwise spend commuting and so on um, you know, we're able to think more about um, our well-being. We're perhaps exercising more, eating better, um, spending more time with our, our family and our children. And these are all things which are, you know, very much part of responsible business. So I think, yes, it's, it's all very concerning and worrying, but this is also really bringing to the fore what is important for people. What do we actually need to be able to work? And moving forward then we can start to um to think about you know can we change the way we work and be more responsible towards our employees and their mental health and well-being and as a you know wonderful side uh you know sort of effect of that have a better or a less uh negative impact on the environment um so i think it's absolutely the time that we should be stopping and thinking about this yeah, and I think actually working out what that vision of the future, um, you know, can be or what mm. businesses would like it to be as well um, from the perspective of their employees. I think that's perhaps something we'll explore a little bit more when we go on to talk about uh, not just the now, but what the next might look like and even the beyond. But, you know, that's from the business perspective. But, um, I mean, Heather, what about the consumer? You know, people work for companies that may be facing an existential crisis. They're worried about where their next paycheck is going to come from. Can they pay the mortgage? They're worried about the health of their family, uh, you know, friends, their children's education. Do consumers care about the 
you know, the responsible business agenda at the moment, climate change, things like that. Haven't they got bigger things to be worried about? It's a great question. And um, I think to be quite, to be quite honest, you're going to deal with the most urgent issues addressing your family first, 100%, and that's exactly what you should be doing. Um, but I think this particular situation has raised a lot of areas of discontent that perhaps were little, little niggly things before, which have now come to the forefront. And I think when people move into the next and the beyond, these are the lessons that we can't forget. Are we discontented with the way that we are living? and that we have now been faced with. Um, are my customers actually not really um, as engaged with my company as I thought they were because of this disruption and how can I fix that moving forward? So I don't think that many people besides perhaps Tova and I are sitting at home thinking we can create a utopian society right now based on these issues. Um, if you are, please feel the feel free to contact both of us, we'll, we'll have a good chat. Um, I think most people, rightly so, are worried about feeding their families, um, if their incomes have been disrupted in any way. I think um, conversations that started late last year in regards to the ability for the pension funds to be able to provide for people in their retirement um, it were a little shocking here in Japan. People got upset, how much money do they need to personally save? And then they kind of shelve that conversation. But today we're seeing that financial wellness, financial understanding is exceedingly important. Um, conversely, so you see that a lot of activist investors have for a long time looked at Japanese companies and their balance sheets and criticized how much money has been kept on the balance sheet. Right now, a lot of those companies are in much better positions um, than, for example, some of the American companies. So when you look at um, these issues, it's natural that you're going to focus on what's immediate. But the profound impacts of these issues, I think, are now magnified. Um, and it, it's my hope that we actually take these lessons and move forward to create something better. Thanks, Heather. And I think so, I mean, let's follow the timeline you gave and the, the three uh, ways of looking at this so that's a little bit on the 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 now but moving to the next so i don't think any of us quite know when the next will begin but you know maybe we're starting to see in the distance you know the beginning of that and we'll be into a phase that may go on for you know a couple of years in the next very much the perhaps the start of a recovery period but uh, again a statistic came out uh, the other week from the UK, uh, the, the Office of Budget Responsibility, and they're forecasting a 35%, 35% decline in UK GDP in uh, Q2, so the quarter that we're currently in. And, and hopefully, though, uh, beyond that, uh, they're moving, you know, things stabilising and you know, moving towards a, a return to, to, to modest growth and then the start of a trajectory out of that. But still, even as we go from the now into the next, these, these figures are absolutely unprecedented. You know, the speed and the scale of the, the disruption to the economy. So I, I suppose, I mean, I mean, Tova, just perhaps coming back to you, you know, again, in this time when the economic dislocation is so great, should companies really just be focusing on you know, prioritizing economic growth and, and full employment, you know, possibly at the expense of, you know, a green agenda or a responsible business agenda? Or, or do you still feel that, you know, all the things you mentioned there, 
in the here and now are still going to be equally relevant as we move start to move out of this um very good question and i don't think there is an easy answer um a lot of it will depend i think on, on the type of business you're in and how that has been impacted um and how much scope you have to um, adapt business models, for example. Um, I think the ones which have been perhaps hardest hit are the, the, the very much the people facing ones, for example, you know, restaurants, cafes and things like this. You can understand that for them really right now, the focus has got to be on, you know, ensuring some kind of financial uh, stability to get the company moving forward. But I think a lot of the... Um, the more service-based companies that have an option um, to be able to, to do things perhaps digitally or in a different, you know, more remote um, way. And also the, the larger organizations that have perhaps a, a bigger cushion through which, you know, to, to get them through this, uh, the next phase can really be thinking about, okay, so how can we now start to adjust as we're, we're sort of moving into the next um, we can start to think about what it is we want to create. So I won't go sort of move too much into the beyond. We'll come to that in a minute. But, but I think as we move into the next, um, out of the immediate situation, we need to be keeping our eyes to the horizon and thinking, okay, well, if, you know, what, what is the opportunity here? What do we want to create? And if we're going to do that, then what steps can we start to take in the next that will lead us in that direction? And it might just be small steps in the beginning. Um, but I, I think it's important that we do keep the, the sort of the long-term view in mind as we move into the next. And that very much, I believe, you know, should involve thinking about what, what are our actions as a responsibility as a responsible business, sorry, to the environment, to people, communities, and our wider network. Yeah, thanks very much for that, Tova. And uh, sorry, just to remind our listeners that we'll be having uh, probably a couple more polls, but in addition to polls, if you do have questions, uh, please do feel free to submit those by the Q&A box. Um, as we, so we move into the next, I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, Countries, uh, you know, in Europe, the US, uh, are in the so-called lockdown. Um, you know, a level of, um, you know, they've imposed a level of restrictions that we, that we don't see in Japan at the moment. Um, and so there's an increasing amount of discussion about how those countries can, uh, you know, come out of that. At the moment, I believe in the, the UK, this is a debate going on, but the government does not feel that it's the time to be talking about coming out of lockdown just yet. Um, I know the, uh, the US government published publicly its guidelines on um, opening up America again um, at the beginning of last week, I think. Um, very interesting stuff in there about expectations of business. So everything from sanitation, uh, testing, contact tracking, the health of employees. So, you know, some governments expecting a lot from businesses too. Uh, I think there's other examples of, uh, you know, in Europe where some countries are starting to figure out how to come out of the most restrictive lockdowns um, and I think expectation of business by you know government is an interesting aspect of perhaps what it is to be responsible and I think businesses are not only going to be judged well they're judged by multiple stakeholders including governments as well and shareholders customers suppliers 
Um, so um, maybe, um, you know, Heather, not, not looking at just the US, but other examples, um, you know, should responsible business maybe here in Japan, uh, should companies be looking to take on a very proactive role in, you know, fighting or, or managing the exit from rest uh, restrictions that have been imposed um, as part of the response to COVID? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting question, and, and we do have the poll open as well. I see a lot of you are, are participating in that. Um, I suppose one of the things we have to really keep reminding ourselves is that responsible business is good business. If, if you are really supporting your stakeholders, they're going to support you um, through times of crisis and, and vice versa, really. So I think some of the expectations you see from government, government bodies um, on businesses, a lot of it I don't see as particularly new. I mean, if you look at, certainly new in the context of the specificity of this issue, but if you look at the sustainable development goals um, developed and, and looked at from a corporate perspective are really, really, really challenging. And where you have governments um, who have had a strong, uh, strong response sorted out um, and who have managed to be dealing with this situation well, surprisingly, a lot of them have been run by women. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but we might want to consider more female politicians um, in the future. However, you look at the role that governments have been playing and the role that businesses have been playing. For a long time, we've been aware that the climate issues that we have, the impacts of these on people and economies cannot be solved simply by government decrees. We need private industries to be stepping forward. Their sphere of influence is huge. If you look at a company like Google, if you look at a company like Apple, their, um, their sphere of influence and the amount of work that they could do is stronger than um, many countries. Um, so when you think about that, that interplay, I don't think it's, um, I don't think governments can rightly say that businesses need to take all of the, all of the onus on them, but there definitely needs to be some public-private partnerships that move us forward. And a second point that I would like to make on this is one of the things, if you want to paint a silver lining here on these issues, one of the things I feel is an opportunity is we've been talking about this sort of thing for a long time. Companies here in Japan, a lot of British companies have been saying, we, we believe fundamentally in these issues. I've talked to lots of C-suite people who have said, we believe in protecting our stakeholders. We believe in supporting the environment. We want to do more good than harm. We want positive impact. They've had a hard time convincing a lot of internal stakeholders. Mm -hmm. A lot of work that I've done in the past has been focused on not necessarily on helping them create a, a more robust strategy. We've certainly done that, but actually in really, really getting that inclusive support of internal stakeholders this opportunity right now should not be wasted. Um, a good crisis never should, I suppose. We have this opportunity to change hearts and minds. And I can give you a, a specific example. So EY for a long time has had in place teleworking. Um, we've had in place more flexible working styles, um, but not a lot of people really wanted to use it. Um, there was still an idea that, um, you know, to be honest, if you are, not necessarily in front of my face, you might not be working. 
this crisis has allowed us to change more hearts and minds. Um, if it had been a couple weeks of working from home and then snap back to normal, I don't think anything would change. The longer this goes on, the more chances we have to change hearts and minds and say, you know, do you, are you now seeing the benefits of some of these things we've been talking about? Um, and I just uh, ended the, the second poll actually, so I think you should be able to see the polling results at the moment. And just to um, add on to what Heather's saying there, so I mean, talking about changing hearts and minds within the organization is incredibly important and it, it's a big part, part of the work we do um, as well. But I think we've also got to be very, very aware as organizations that we will be um, influencing and uh, we will be judged um, by people, society, our communities, our customers, our clients, on our moves now and as we move into the next. And if we batten down the hatches and simply, you know, go into survival mode and don't look at how we're impacting perhaps our, our small businesses that are in our supply chain or um, how we're dealing with, um, you know, our impact uh, beyond the now, then I think there's a very real danger that coming out of this, people are going to say, well, you know, you, it was just, you were only thinking about yourself, you know, we're, we're going to move away from this company. Um, we would rather take our, our business and our, you know, um, trade to a company which was showing that they were standing by the values that they say they have and caring for people, communities, environmental impact, whatever that is. Um, so I think we've got to be very conscious as we move into this next phase that um, the eyes of the world and particularly of all our, our stakeholders are on us and they will be looking very carefully at what we do and judging us based on that. I think that's a great point and we saw in the, the poll results there that 44% of people um, looking to focus on customer engagement and of course perception from customers exactly to the point you are making Taylor is hugely important and I think in terms of responsible business this is not only about what leadership of the company um, thinks is the right thing to do or leaders have to be very mindful of how they are perceived by the external stakeholders I think we've seen read in the newspapers a number of companies around the world who've uh, for example large companies who have quite legitimately uh, made use of stimulus measures that governments are offering to all companies but people you know they've been pilloried in the press saying you know why are large companies uh, you know taking government money shouldn't this be for you know SMEs and business so even though they were acting quite legitimately there is um, you know people are making judgments out in the market so there's a real challenge I think for leaders of businesses to um, you know it's a challenge to exercise good judgment as to what direction to go in uh, sometimes they'll be find themselves being offered uh, certain assistance uh, but the challenge for leaders is to decide should they take that how is this going to play out in the court of public opinion um, I, I think maybe though you know when we look at businesses and their reactions um, you know, probably the things businesses are going to have to do with respect to the uh, you know, responsible business or looking forward to you know how they still want to uh, you know stay close to the responsible business agenda I, I sense this is going to be very different depending on what sector the business is in I think you know certainly from what I'm hearing it sounds like for perhaps for countries on a geography basis 
the recovery from this is very much a, a first in, first out. Uh, China went in first, but it's China, you know, into the COVID crisis. But you know, China now is is you know ratcheting down some of their lockdown measures. Uh, business is starting to come back. You know, um, you know, Taiwan, Korea, getting things under control. You know, Asia, many countries there, you know, affected first, but seem to be showing opportunities to recover a little bit quicker. So sort of a first in, first out. But I think for businesses, um, it's more of a last in, first out. Those that have been hit the hardest were hit early and hit very badly. And it may be taking them a while to, you know, triage through this process to try and come out the, the you know the other side and maybe maybe slower to come out so in terms of the business agenda um, can either of you share any perspective on you know, what leaders of companies should be looking at I mean one if you're in say you know hospitality and tourism which have been hit very badly I saw today's paper said visitors to Japan decreased by 99.9 percent uh, I forget the exact time frame but so in, you know what can leaders of those sort of uh, you know industries uh, be thinking about with responsible business as opposed to perhaps someone who's in um, you know digital industries or maybe food retailing where sales are, are up and very um, you know uh, and doing you know quite well because of the immediate demand of the crisis so any perspectives on the differences between different sectors and how different sectors might look at the responsible business agenda as they try and come out of this. I'll, I'll take the, the first step on that. I mean, um, leave it to David to ask a, a really challenging question that covers multiple industries. Um, but it, the, the point is well taken. And we do see certain um, industries being able to um, actually really enjoy higher profits during this time. Um, companies like Amazon, for example, as a lot of consumers are nervous or unable to go to shops, you're shifting your personal choices and your styles to companies that can support you being home more. Um, so when you think about some of the changes that you've made in your day-to-day -day life, I think you get a good idea as to which companies and which types of industries are um, actually going to be benefiting from this. So anybody who's got strong infrastructure to be delivering online um, here in Japan, we're blessed with a wonderful postal system and numerous uh, delivery companies that have that can get anything anywhere. Um, so if your company has already been set up to work online, fantastic. Um, there's lots and lots of things that we still need and want from home. Uh, travel and tourism. Um, now that is a huge change. So one of the responsible businesses kind of the now and the next and certainly the beyond is how are we protecting people from future issues? Now, we have one wave in some countries and are now experiencing the second wave of COVID. Um, how are we going to give peace of mind to our consumers that we are going to be able to protect them as issues come up in the future? This is one issue none of us have dealt with in our lifetimes, but it's unlikely to be the only one of its kind. We are a very, very mobile species. Um, certainly, you know, we can be anywhere at any time. Um, how does that impact people's health? So when you start to think of that kind of beyond question, um, start to think about if your industry is very negatively impact now, how do you future-proof that? There are certain things you are not going to be able to do. Of course, there are, there are black swan events that we're not going to foresee. But when we experience, not if, when we experience something like this again, we should be learning again from these lessons. Um, and I'll, I'll 
leave that off and send that over to Tova. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Wow, um, it is really a tough one. Um, and sort of as well as looking at different sectors, I see that in the, uh, the Q&A, um, Kirsten O'Connor's asked a, a very interesting question as well. How do SMEs balance ethical considerations when working to support clients and community during crisis and keeping their business afloat? Um, so, you know, certainly speaking from personal experience on this, it's, it's a tough one. It's a very real challenge. Um, it goes back to the concept, I think, of the, the ecosystem that I was um, speaking about at the beginning and remembering that, you know, whatever we are as an organization, whatever our business is, we are connected to um, and impacted by and impact on other organizations. And so I think as we sort of look into the, the next and the beyond, we really need to be thinking about looking out to that network and what partnerships, new partnerships, new collaborations can we look to that will help us be more resilient in the future? Because like you said, th this is not a case of, you know, if it happens again, it's these kind of situations will occur again, unfortunately, um, perhaps more and more often, particularly with, you know, climate change and, uh, you know, climate related crises as well. So I think building resilience into our business models, um, whether that's about the diversity of things that we offer and how we offer it. Um, certainly for, for my business, we were based until this situation entirely face-to-face -face, um, and with you know, a broad range, but um, a fairly limited number of, of partners. And now we are looking much more widely, not even just to get through this, but in, beyond actually thinking about how can we form new partnerships that will give us new opportunities, new ways of bringing value to our clients um, and actually enable us to, to have a much wider um, and deeper impact, uh, positive impact than we have ever had before by sort of yeah, looking at what are the potentials here rather than focusing perhaps on the negative and the risk, really looking at what, what opportunities are out there um, who can we work with? What do they have that would be helpful to us? What do we have to offer? And that might not necessarily be um, a financial relationship as well. It can be a sort of a like for like um, relationship. So I think exploring options, um, particularly in, you know, as a smaller company can be really, really helpful to, to start future proofing our businesses. Yeah, and thanks for, for taking that question there from, from Kirsten Tover. We've got some other questions coming in and we will get to those in a moment. I, I do want to ensure, though, that we have a chance to uh, get onto the perspective of beyond. Uh, so maybe looking, um, perhaps this is three to five years out. Uh, I don't think any of us can predict what's going to be happening in three to five years time. So probably, you know, we have to consider some scenarios uh, and you know, I think at this stage it's not really about trying to put percentages of probability of those scenarios occurring but more about considering how we might react uh, differently if one of those different scenarios comes to pass um, and in terms of putting them together we could perhaps consider uh, a couple of the variables that we see at the moment in the world and think that how changes in those variables, different changes or combinations could lead to different outcomes. So I think in terms of variables, obviously, it's what happens with the virus over the next couple of years. Um, you know, do we get a vaccine and some very good therapeutics 
which really get a control over this and bring the virus under control and it gradually peters out um, and the health crisis is ended. Or, you know, does the search for a vaccine um, and therapeutics fail or are there multiple mutations of this virus every year and we see continuous waves year after year of where we are? Uh, and maybe we can sort of combine that with thinking about what does society do and governments do? Do we see collaboration? People working together, sharing knowledge, sharing best practices, uh, international organizations stepping up and really making a difference? Or, or, or do we see the, uh, you know, perhaps in a situation where we have multiple waves over the years to come of COVID, forcing countries to lock down borders and the slow slide maybe into isolationism, where there's less cooperation? You know, maybe that means that, you know, the green agenda starts to be pushed to one side. Uh, you know, these are, when we talked about the you know, climate change, I think everyone's agreed that this is a global problem requires a global response. So what if in the, the beyond, you know, we're still stuck in this cycle of crisis mode dealing with, a, with health difficulties and a health crisis, and you know, governments around the world are sort of sliding into isolationism. What, what should businesses be doing then? Um, should they change the way they act or should they sort of double down and you know, keep working towards their responsible agenda? Any thoughts on that? Gosh, we've got a lot of thoughts on that, I'm sure. Um, I'm just going to launch the, our final polling question at the moment, which does focus on the beyond. So you can take a look at that. There's just a few ideas we had. Um, if you had another, um, please do put it in the chat. Um, what is what does that beyond look like and can we really conceptualize the beyond right now um if your industry is particularly hard hit um no you probably can't be focused on it right now you need to uh make sure your people are working you need to make sure you're protecting people you need to to do whatever it is to make sure there is customer engagement um, but when you sit back and i do a lot of strategy work when you sit back and have that moment to think you realize I do not want to be in this situation again. So when we look at issues in climate change, uh, we've, I've seen a lot of people applauding the fact that um, the canals in Venice are, are clear, um, that pollution is down in a lot of countries because there is less road traffic. I think a lot of people will take a look at that and say, actually, I really like having a clean environment. I, I really enjoy that. I, I think we need to focus on how do we make that more of a part of our society. I don't think people will look at the clear skies and think, oh gosh, I'm glad that we're not going to be seeing this in a while. Um, at least I sincerely hope not. So when we're looking at that beyond state, um, I think there's certainly um, some of the lessons learned that we're going to immediately want to put in place. But I think there has to be a recalibration along lines of what our long-term business plan is with our long-term value strategy. Um, so our values and a purpose as companies um, represented here just amongst our membership are wide and varied, but they're all very, very aspirational. They're all very positive ones. We're being tested right now. And I think right now we can see our own gaps and weaknesses, whether we choose to describe them out externally, I guarantee you everybody is looking internally. Um, so I think that that beyond question has to be a question that is asked today and something that is an, an ongoing conversation. Um, no one here has a, a crystal ball. Unfortunately, we don't know when we're going to be firmly moving into 
the next. Um, I think some of us are um, like myself are really ready for the next. I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of this. I think a lot of you are as well, but I'm also ready for that beyond. So if we start to think right now, just my last point here before I turn it over to Tova, if we start to think about um, how has our life been impacted today, I would guess that a lot of people are walking more. I would guess that a lot of people are not commuting. I would guess that a lot of people are cooking more at home, for example. Now, some of these changes um, are a massive pain in the neck, I'm sure, especially if you have young children running around at home or, or myself with kittens, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. But when you think about some of these changes, I start to think, well, Tokyo is actually this amazing flat city. Why don't we have more bike lines, lanes? Why don't we actually utilize a little bit more of that? Um, why are we driving so much? So I think city planners can actually take a look at this time as well to think of how are we going to solve some of our biggest issues, um, issues with health, is issues with pollution. Well, some of that infrastructure can be put in place. And if we use the momentum of this crisis for positive gain in the future, I think we'll see a lot of fantastic changes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you, so just on that one point there, you mentioned there, Heather, about values uh, and purpose. I mean, what if companies, uh, well, a lot of, a lot of companies these days, uh, they, they like to talk about being purpose-driven. Uh, they have very carefully crafted uh, value statements, uh, their, their corporate values and what their purpose is, and they share this with their stakeholders as a statement of who they are as a company. You know, what if under some of these future scenarios, though, we find companies under you know, overwhelming pressure to... Uh, focus, um, you know, more on perhaps just economic growth. Um, and they start to depart from their values. Is that a dangerous track for companies? Uh, I mean, any examples perhaps we've seen, not just in COVID, but where companies actually waver from their stated purpose or they move away from their values to do something else, perhaps because it's, um, you know, expedient in the short term, but is that a slippery slope to go that way, to move away from your values, or should companies, regardless of what happens in these beyond scenarios, stick true to their values? Um, how would that play out in the court of public opinion or, or elsewhere with stakeholders? Any thoughts on that? Are you throwing that back to Heather or? Uh, Tova, if you've got a, if you've got a, a perspective on <laughs> that as well. Okay, so, um, all right, I'll take a first stab at it. So I think, um, I mean, you described it potentially as being a, a slippery slope, and I think absolutely there is that danger um, that, you know, organizations can just think, oh, my word, you know, we, we've taken such a hit. We just need to focus on, you know, filling the, the bank account back up. Um, but I think there's a, also an incredible opportunity, and we're hearing a lot of talk about this, um, both in, in businesses and in um, sort of cities and governments as well, to, to really kind of press the reset button um, and say, actually, um, now's the time really to look at our values. And it's also a very powerful way, going, going back to your core values as an organization is a very powerful way to engage your people get them back on board to think about really, you know, we, we've come through this situation or we're coming through this situation. What is important to us as a company? Why are we here? Who do we serve? And, and what is the, you know, what value or benefit do we want to bring to them? And going forward, 
you know, how do we want to do that? It might be quite different to what it was before, but we need to really ensure that we're coming back to those core values and staying true to those. Because as we were talking about earlier, um, there's the danger of being judged very severely if you don't do that. And if you are seen to be just thinking about the bottom line. Um, so I think that there's a really great example here. Um, in the, I think it was the Guardian this morning, there was a, an article about um, Milan, the city of Milan in Italy, um, which I'm sure everyone's aware has been on a, a very, very severe lockdown for a long time and has been hit very hard. And of course, Milan's very famous for its um, cafe and restaurant culture, um, wonderful shopping, you know, it's the home of, of fashion, really. Um, and it's been hit very hard, but they're talking about now planning going forward, the mayor was quoting as saying, you know, we've got to take this as an opportunity to be better. So they are putting into plan, uh, putting into action a plan now to um, make the, the center of Milan, I think they're talking about 35 kilometers worth of, of roads, um, to make that much more pedestrian and cyclist friendly. So they're putting in cycle lanes everywhere, widening pavements, and they're talking about that not just for, for people's health and well-being, because pollution has dropped, traffic congestion has dropped during this crisis, which is obviously you know, very, very positive from a health and environmental perspective, but also for those cafes and restaurants and shops, um, businesses that want to kind of use that space for commercial use. There's a wonderful opportunity there as well. Suddenly, there will be fewer cars, they'll be much more restricted. So there's more space and opportunity for, um, you know, for cafes and restaurants, um, entertainers, musicians, etc., to, to use that space, um, which then draws in more people, which can help to revitalize the economy there. So all of these things are interconnected. And, and I think um, if we can use it as an opportunity to reset there, stay true to our values, but really look at how can we do this better than we've ever done before, then we really can have a, a very positive change coming out of this. Yeah, if I can just jump in there, I couldn't agree with Tova more, but you have to come back to the fact that if you are a company, you need to make money. I mean, fundamentally, you can have the absolute best purpose ever, but unless you're able to provide a service or a product that customers need or want, um, in a, an economically and, and hopefully social and environmentally viable way, then we don't have a conversation here. It's like when people ask me which is most important in E, S, and G, environmental, social, and governance, um, it's a terribly difficult question because without governance, we have a, you have another problem, quite frankly. Um, I just looking at some of the, the questions in there, um, Phil Robertson had a really good one, thank you very much. Realistically, won't companies, um, particularly SMEs, need to dial back their charitable and CSR activities for now. And anonymously, another person had put in about what can companies do today to help support um, this crisis in whatever way they can. So we see a lot of companies in, who have factories, for example, repurposing their factories to address these issues today. Um, so I think that is one thing that, that you can do. Um, allowing your employees more time to do charitable work, for example, and counting that as part of their work contribution, that is something you can do today. There's a, there's a great deal of them. As far as um, charitable contributions, um, most likely, yes. If you've got an extra budget that was meant to go someplace, um, 
and you actually need to make payroll, you have a fundamentally difficult conversation to have. Um, and who are your most important stakeholders there? So I, I, that I would hate to be in that position for anybody here who is, a, my heart goes out to you. Um, you know, for the charities in particular, that, that becomes very, very challenging. I think a lot of charities personally that I've worked with and ones that I've known are highly dependent on donations and not, they do not have a sustainable funding model. Um, and that is something hopefully right now, it's nothing they don't know, um, but it's something that is very important today. How are you going to maintain doing the work that you want to be doing when you should be doing um, and you enjoy doing if you have these disruptors. Um, so it's, again, I know crystal balls and, and certainly no um, solid answers there, but definitely these are the conversations we need to be having. Yeah, I mean, great points there. And I know we're coming up to the top of the hour, but I'd just like to refer to the results of our poll um, in terms of what long-term change would listeners most like to see coming out of this crisis. And I think it's heartening to see that at least the top one, 38%, was for business models that fully integrate social and environmental value. And I think it was Michael Porter from the Harvard Business School, the well-known thinker, uh, had said that inclusive growth requires both economic and social progress. And I'd just like to tie that into a, a question or a comment we received from Karen Welbrook at K Group. Um, you know, indicating that we need some serious rethinking, um, uh, you know, within leadership about the focus on financials and how to embrace sustainability in the people part for organizations and, and rewarding them. So just to add, I mean, I've given out some statistics about GDP. I'm, I'm sure here that there's something more than measuring in just dollars, yen or pounds. So in terms of the responsible business agenda, are there any other metrics? we should be looking at to perhaps capture this social element rather than just currency? There, there definitely are, just to, to jump in really quickly. If you start to look at health and well-being, statistics in the United States in regards to the obesity rate, which has um, gone up significantly, creating not only problems for individual happiness and well-being, but also systemic problems within, within the healthcare um, if you see drops in those areas, this is massively positive. It means you're doing something right as just one example. Yeah, I think that's an excellent example, Heather. And that, that's sort of obviously on a, a national scale and a very large scale there. But even within organizations, this is a, a conversation actually we're, we're having with a lot of clients is how can you really embed, um, you know, sort of more responsible business uh, mindsets uh, into corporate culture and particularly with leaders you know if you if you're saying to them this is very important we need to be thinking about social impact environmental impact but you're only putting financial kpis sort of pushed down from on top onto them then it's going to be very very difficult to to shift anything and the, the priority is always going to go to the, the financial you know meeting the targets but if you can start to think as an organization okay well how else can we measure this? So looking at things like um, employee engagement surveys and um, working out, uh, you know, perhaps doing 360 degree evaluations and, you know, to see whether people feel that they are, you know, being, their well-being is considered. 
that you know wider impact of decisions is being considered um, you can start to I mean it's a little bit fuzzy it's difficult to measure in a very quantifiable way but you can begin to get a, a sense of you know are people making an effort to change behaviors and then you can reward that um, so I, I think it's a change that is already beginning to happen and hopefully will be accelerated by the current situation. Thanks, Tova. Um, we are coming up towards the, uh, the end of our webinar today. So maybe just a very brief uh, and hopefully a positive comment to end on, uh, maybe from, uh, from you first, Heather. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think everyone right now is, is dealing with this in the best way they possibly can. But I think we do have this amazing opportunity to really put our, put our principles first, certainly alongside of economic growth. We, as companies, we, we do need to make an economic impact. But if we really look at this as an opportunity to do better in the future, let's get through it now. Uh, let's, you know, no pie in the sky ideas at the moment, but let's keep those maybe in the back burner for a little while. Let's move forward in a more positive way and let's focus on having the environment, having the, the communities and the countries that we actually deserve. Thanks, Heather. Tova? Well, um, I think Heather's summed up very eloquently um, what I would like to say as well. Um, perhaps the only addition to that would be this is an opportunity to, to recalibrate. I think Heather used that word earlier. Um, and I, I think that sums it up you know, very well. Think about what changes can we make um, that will be positive, both for us as an organization, for individuals, for leaders, but also people and planet beyond that. Okay, thank you both. Well, I mean, what, one thing maybe to end on from, from myself, I mentioned Michael Thorter before, and I was struck by reading some, some research that had come out, the, some, some different research that had come out the US the other day, um, looking at previous crises and, uh, crises, sorry, and, you know, the evidence shows that those companies that cut, uh, you know, the deepest and the hardest uh, going into a crisis are not the ones that perform best on coming out of it. So I hope there's a, a message there that although it's tough, we need to balance, you know, sensible financial decisions to tighten belts, look mm -hmm. after liquidity, but still stay true to, you know, other things which are important for the future, which is, I think, where the responsible business agenda is. And at the end of the day, um, I think even investors now as well, they're looking for resilient companies. Consumers are looking for resilient companies that, you know, they want to transact with, buy their products. And I think resilience the key part of resilience is having, you know, being aligned to responsible business. So um, thank you, uh, Heather and Tova, for your participation in this conversation today. And thank you for everyone else who took the time out of the day to, to join us in this uh, webinar, this virtual format. Thank you for providing your questions. And I very much hope uh, you will keep your eye out on the BCCJ website for future webinars going forward. Uh, and we look forward to engaging you in the virtual format. And I certainly look forward to a bonanza of face-to-face -face events uh, as soon as we start to move out of this crisis. So everybody, thank you. Please stay safe. We appreciate you participating today.